Dear friends in Christ, I don't know if you've noticed a trend in your TV watching these last years as far as certain themes that start popping up here and there. In the last few weeks, I've been really disappointed in uh, by some of the TV series that were uh, advertised to be such good series. In one series, one of the main characters and the hero of the, the show performed an Indian spiritual ritual that tore his flesh and was supposed to cleanse him from sin. Kind of sounds like Martin Luther, doesn't it? Uh, whipping himself, trying to get rid of sin before he understood what grace was all about. Another uh, series uh, this last week I saw where the main character became involved in a pagan in pagan chanting and certain other rituals that allowed her to go back in time. And then this last week on a national radio show, they had a guest that was expounding the attributes of the Baha faith, that worldwide religion that says all religions will lead you to the same place. There's really no difference. All of these shows, whether on TV or on the radio, uh, portray other religions, all kinds of religions, even pagan religions, in such good light. And that's why it's important for us as Christians to know more than ever why we believe what we do and what is the heart of Christianity and how that compares to the other religions of the world so that we can pick out these things when we see these things portrayed on TV or in the movies especially. We need to understand what is at the heart of our faith and why the church is so important. I want to reflect this morning in this introduction to this sermon series on what we call the church, and we take that term for granted, don't we? The Bible uses several terms to describe the church. It's God's building. It's his body. It's his family. It's his army. It's his flock. The list goes on and on. I believe that the church still today may be one of the most misunderstood institutions on earth. And I hope at the end of this sermon series in these weeks ahead that we'll have a new appreciation for this community of faith that God loves so much. Well, in, the, in our lesson today from the second chapter of Acts, we hear a description of the very first church that was established soon after Jesus ascended back into heaven probably about 33 A.D. These early believers demonstrated a devotion to and a vision for what the church was meant to be. These followers of Jesus in Jerusalem had an amazing impact on that, that whole city and eventually on the whole world. Though the church started with just a handful of people praying in the upper room, they witnessed many signs and wonders. Not one of them was in need. They all shared generously with each other. 
And they prayed and they worshipped and they ate together daily. And they quickly experienced phenomenal growth, adding to their numbers in tremendous ways. Wouldn't that be great if all churches could experience those attributes and that type of growth? In this series, we want to help each of us to understand what it means to be a devoted, passionate follower of Jesus Christ like those early Christians were. You know, through the the centuries, there have been men, men and women who have made extraordinary efforts and demonstrated great devotion to a vision that they really believed in. The history of our country was founded on on some great visions by our our country's founders about what it would mean to to have a free and democratic society. Abraham Lincoln had a vision of what it would be like to have a country without slavery. And Martin Luther King Jr. stood up in Washington, D.C. in that famous I Have a Dream speech and declared about his vision of racial equality. 2,000 years ago, a carpenter from Nazareth named Jesus burst on the scene with a vision that was to change the whole world. Everywhere he went, Jesus inspired the imaginations of, of many, many people, painting for them a picture of what this new spiritual and relational movement was all about. His teachings so touched the people that they were willing to go without food or travel a great distance even just to get close enough to hear his words. They must have had a tremendous impact. They thronged to hear his teachings about what he called the kingdom of God. With Jesus he didn't see any he didn't put anybody in categories he reached out to everybody he reached out to the children and and called them to him and talked to them about his love for them he reached out to the poor and and the people on the fringe of society saying my kingdom is for you too he even talked to the rich people and said what i have to give you is worth so much more than all the material things that you have. That was the vision that Jesus brought before the people that he taught. One of Jesus' most passionate moments came when he announced before his disciples what his true mission was all about. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In Jesus' mind, you see, the church was the most important institution on earth, worthy of every effort imaginable. So what's the purpose of Christ's church? Well, Jesus spelled it out in those three years of ministry. He had a lot of parables about those who were lost but now are found. He had this global vision of of seeking and saving all who are lost. But at the same time, he also had a vision to help those in other 
with other kinds of needs. He noted the virtue of offering little ones a, a, a cup of water. He told the parable of the Good Samaritan, and he said, Go and do likewise. He healed people, and, and he comforted people, and afflict, those that were afflicted with, with demons and diseases, and he fed those who were hungry. For three years, Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, and into the shock of his followers, he was mocked and beaten and died on a cruel cross. His disciples huddled together with fear and depression. They had envisioned Jesus delivering Israel from the the Roman occupation and setting up a political kingdom with him as the head. But three days later, their depression turned to joy when Jesus was raised from the dead and that kingdom dream came alive again to them. And he opened their minds to see that the kingdom was, was more than just uh, setting up this earthly, earthly uh, political kingdom, but it was a spiritual kingdom, a rule from God into people's hearts. And then 40 days later, the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples in answer to that promise in Acts 1.8 that he would send his spirit upon his people. And that vision of this movement became a powerful movement, and it was called eventually the church. This movement, the way, was called the church. True to Jesus' vision, the church was like nothing else that had ever been experienced. In that very first church, people devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship and the celebrating of the Lord's Supper and praying for each other. The atmosphere was so electric that they couldn't wait to get together the next day. They were so excited. The Bible says that miracles took place. And one of the greatest miracles was that everybody gave up their possessions and uh, made it a common pool out of which people in need could draw from. This new thing called the church was so compelling that the Bible says the people met every single day, sometimes in the temple for public worship and sometimes in people's homes for closer fellowship. I remember when I was in the Holy Land and we were in Capernaum and right in the middle of that little community they believe is where Peter lived. And, and the house is not there, of course, but the, the footings are and the beginnings of the walls. And you can see where his living room was just a little area at first. But then you can see how that living room was expanded and again expanded. And the guide was telling us that, that the church there in Capernaum met in Peter's home. And there was a few of them at first, but they, they got to be so many that the walls needed to be expanded and expanded again because there were so many that came to believe in Jesus. And many churches are like that. The walls need to be expanded again and again because of the power of the Spirit drawing people to Christ and the number of people expanding in worship. These people, again and again, day after day, praise God 
for letting them be a part of this amazing movement and enjoyed the favor of the entire city. The church was so irresistible, so contagious, that the Lord added to their number daily, it says. They were a part of God's family. And they knew it. And they extended his vision to other people that they met. Well, we read in Acts 2 about that vision, about the church. But that was not only to be in Jerusalem, but to the ends of the earth, including Story City. The mission of the church matters. How does our church become like the early church in Acts? How do we move from a vision to implementation? The early church pursued five purposes when implemented can make any church, including ours, compelling and influential. That is what God wants Emmanuel to be like as well. And we're going to be looking at these five priorities of Christ's church in the weeks ahead. You have not just been called to a church building this morning, but we're called to be God's people, showing by our lives His grace 24-7. The church is out there. It's every place that you are because you are a part of His family. So I look forward to seeing what the Spirit will do in our lives individually and together as we seek to fulfill that mission for Christ's church in these weeks and months and years ahead. Amen.